Hey, I'm Matt Ruby, a stand-up comedian, writer, and renaissance man. And I'm Rob Kramer, a tech entrepreneur and a writer and a longtime meditator. And uh, welcome to the Hell and Wellness Podcast. And on this podcast, we take a look at all sorts of trends in the health and wellness space and do a deep dive on them. I'm a little bit of a skeptic or cynic around some of this stuff, but I also embrace a lot of it. And I used to be a bit of a hook, line, line and sinker kind of guy. You just uh, teach me something new and I went full force on it. Now, getting a little older, feeling a little bit more skeptical, but just love delving into, as we like to say, the different modalities of health and wellness. Yeah, we're here to help you separate the wheat from the chaff or the essential oil from the inessential oil. How about that one? We haven't tried or maybe, that yet. Or maybe we separate the quinoa from the, uh, the uh, jackfruit. Oh, well, that's a sneak preview of what's to come in this episode where we're going to be talking about stoicism, uh, the resurgent philosophy uh, originally from 2,000 years ago that's kind of in vogue again. We're going to get into it, explain it, talk about uh, how and why it's become popular, especially amongst the a certain group of people and uh, the pros and cons of that. Should we get into it, Rob? Let's get into it. And quick note, we are not doctors. This is not medical advice. Don't take us that seriously and change your life and inject things or anything like that. We're here to entertain you, to give you our perspective on the world of wellness. So please, before you do anything serious, check with the doctor. George Washington, Walt Whitman, Adam Smith, Immanuel Kant, Thomas Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Rob, do you know what they all have in common? Well, besides the fact that they're a bunch of old ancient dudes, um, something with Stoics and Stoicism. You got it. Yes, they were all believers in Stoicism. I guess they all believed in even more ancient old dudes and the philosophy that they had. So, um and Stoicism, it's having um, a moment right now in our culture. It was not something that I ever really heard about other than the word Stoic. I knew I had heard that. I never knew that it came from somewhere and had a whole philosophy behind it. Um, but yeah, it's an ancient uh, philosophy dating to around 400 BC after the death of Socrates. Uh, and it, it basically uh, it boils down to four values, which are courage, temperance, justice, and wisdom. So courage is kind of obvious. Temperance, uh, you know, which means mostly self-control. Justice, uh, which is treating others with fairness. And, uh, you know, wisdom, having the practical wisdom to navigate complicated situations. Um, and it seems like there's a, uh, if you had to boil down stoicism to one singular idea, it would be we don't always control what happens to us, but we always control how we respond. Uh, which to me it seems to have some overlap with Buddhism at all. You know, do you sense the Buddhist overlap with some of this stuff? You just took it out of my brain. Absolutely, there's uh, they're kindred spirits for sure. Because you know, other theories of Stoicism is that uh, you endure pain and pleasure without complaint. Uh, you look at what happens in your life with a bit of detachment. I mean, to me, these seem like classic sort of Buddhist concepts of you know, sort of uh, not being attached to uh, how you think outcomes should be, but just trying to be in the moment. You know, you control what you control, you don't control what you don't control. Um, so it's interesting to me how many of these ancient philosophies and ancient, you know, wisdoms, you know, if you start examining them, really have a lot of overlap. Yeah, and uh, everything I've known about Stoicism or, or Stoics, which is very little, 
uh, and I'm so looking forward to this episode to learning more today, but is that Stoics and Stoicism has gotten a little bit of a bad rap because most people think of it and equate it with being unfeeling and actually not caring. And uh, clearly, as you deep down into this, you know, into the uh, history of Stoicism, it really has nothing to do with that. I guess it's reframing it as caring about the stuff that matters and the stuff that you control and trying to not care about everything else. So, for example, you know, some of the stuff that I would say is valued in, in our society, but Stoics are, you shouldn't pay, say you shouldn't pay attention, money, reputation, uh, even, you know, the health of your body. Those are things that uh, you shouldn't fixate on. What you should, what matters is your own judgments and actions um, related to those four sort of core values and everything else is ultimately irrelevant. Uh, and uh, Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius in uh, the book Meditations is one of the cornerstones of this philosophy. He talked about choose not to be harmed and you won't feel harmed. Don't feel harmed and you haven't been, um, which is an interesting philosophy. It's certainly interesting. And it seems like we as a modern society in 2021 are as far away from stoic philosophy as one could possibly get, given the fact that uh, we tend to value the things that Stoics say you should not value. Well, that's what's been interesting, which a uh, sneak preview of where we're going with this is that where it's been most adopted has been by people who are uh, pretty well off, especially in the tech world in Silicon Valley, which is interesting considering it's a philosophy that was originally developed uh, you know, uh, by slaves uh, and sort of how do you deal within the the confines of slavery and how do you, you know, not just uh, feel miserable every day and uh, how do you how do you survive and endure? Um, so uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce Epictetus, I believe is how you say it. I think it. so, Epictetus, yeah. One of these uh, core people within Stoicism grew up a slave crippled by an, a leg injury, was a believer in a lot of these concepts. And actually, you know, just uh, centuries later, James Stockdale uh, who was a U.S. fighter pilot, I think maybe Ross Perot's running mate when he ran for president. I could be wrong about that, but I think that's true. And he wrote about when he was, uh, you know, imprisoned in, during the Vietnam War and subject to torture, that Epictetus's writings and the belief in Stoicism is what helped him endure that whole experience. So that is quite a contrast to how we see it being used today within like a lot of the tech world and, you know, Silicon Valley types who seemingly have everything that you could want in the world and are not living the life of a slave or someone who's trapped in the Hanoi Hilton yet uh, still are finding value with stoicism somehow. Yeah. And I'm particularly fascinated uh, by the sort of the four virtues of stoicism, specifically uh, courage. So um, the notion that um, I guess Seneca, who is an old Greek dude, uh, who was one of the original <laughs> Stoics, um, would say that he actually pitied people who have never experienced misfortune. He said, you have to you have passed through the life without an opponent. No one can ever know what you are capable of, not even you, which I find completely fascinating because. In our society, we think that failure is a bad thing and we think misfortune is a unfortunate thing, but it really, for all of us who will eventually go through some horrible misfortune in our lives, uh, it really is the stuff uh, from which our lives are born. That's an interesting angle because I think about that sometimes. I mean, uh, you're a father, I don't have any kids, but I've thought about that frequently within the realm of raising children, how... What we all hate as adults is people who were spoiled brats and never had anything happen to them negative in their entire lives. Yet 
when we are raising children, that seems to be the goal that everyone is aspiring to, to protect their children from anything bad happening and to make sure they have everything that they want. And it, that always to me is an interesting sort of contrast of uh, what we like in another person and when we meet them and then ha- how we try to treat our own children. And there seems to be some disconnect there. And we've raised, you know, our generation and certainly mine in terms of being a parent has raised, have raised kids that we call snowflakes, right? The helicopter parenting thing, to your point, the not allowing Johnny to scratch his knee and maybe even fracture a leg. Got to let Johnny go through it because how else is Johnny going to learn? Because in modern societies, there are very few rites of passage, even as as a Jew, 13, supposed ancient biblical rite of passage, bar mitzvah, not so much a rite of passage, it's a rite of passage to sort of more money and more presents from all my parents' friends. To zoom out to a larger cultural context, I think it's Steven Pinker who has argued about, clearly things are messed up right now, but if you really want to zoom out and look at it, we are the healthiest, wealthiest, luckiest people ever in the history of the planet. Uh, and no one has ever been more fortunate to be alive than we are right now and to enjoy what we enjoy. And yet we're constantly consumed by everything that is wrong and uh, difficult. And I think understandably, considering, you know, the past, you know, few years of what we've been through in our culture. But it is tough to reconcile that with like, yeah, things are bad right now. But like, what was it? When was it ever better? Absolutely. And the thing about uh, Stoics, which I actually admire, respect it, and like Buddhism, is that there's a middle path, right? For instance, with courage, like you could have too much courage, too much bravery, and it turns into recklessness. And then it becomes a fault when, you know, someone begins to endanger themselves or other people. Or not enough courage, which could be more one of cowardice and a deficiency. We tend to, in our society, live at the extremes, it seems, like the extreme of fame, the extreme of money, the extreme of things that seem to matter to society, but don't matter to the sort of temperament and courage of an individual as they sort of develop as a human being. That taps into something I'm curious about, which is how much of this is sort of patriarchy in disguise. There seems to be like, this is like cleaned up macho stuff a lot in in ways that I'm not sure is good or bad, but I would say that there's a reason it seems to be mostly dudes who are attracted to this. Um, there's definitely like, it seems like a very Bear grills like, you know, Marine wannabe, like uh, rehearsing the worst case scenario all the time, assuming if something bad isn't happening now, then it will. Uh, the idea, Seneca wrote that anger is brief insanity and grief is an irrational contraction of the soul. So really detached from uh, emotions and feelings and getting wrapped up in, in things that I think you know, traditionally we associate with as more female qualities. So I'm curious, is that anything that's uh, occurred to you as you were looking at this at all? You know, only because I I started um, tracking it against sort of my experience with Buddhism and meditation. And so I didn't really initially inflect this kind of stoics are sort of, you know, go out into the wilderness and go conquer and buck up. And yes, you know, the early Stoics, you know, said, you know, do you have cojones? Do you have actually balls enough to actually do something that matters? But for me, 
it really, the, the jewel, at least for me, lives in this middle path, this balance, this merging of life that kind of, you know, certainly life teeters on the sort of the, 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 the fulcrum of, you know, both positive and negative and the polarities, but like that it's not about one extreme or the other, that it really is about disciplining yourself to lead a much more centered life. To me, the other thing about this is it also seems somewhat vague a lot, you know, that like, do you feel like you would read this and really like it would impact your day to day decision making? Is there like what, what's the practice that you get into based on this? Like that, those were some of the questions I had, like, oh, you know, because, uh, you know, you know, the idea of like you're supposed to. Uh, uh, starve yourself or go without food or warmth. I'm like, what am I supposed to do that every day? And that's going to help me as a daily practice or, you know, like, uh, I, I guess I, you know, with Buddhism at least, or, you know, uh, therapy or other things, I'm like, okay, well, this is the thing I'm supposed to do every day or every week, uh, in order to, you know, enact the, this, whereas this had a little bit more of like a vague sheen to it. My sense of, you know, whether it's a philosophy like stoicism or it's a religion, uh, any modern or ancient religion and Buddhism, which didn't start as a religion, although most don't, uh, it's more of a philosophy or a way of being. My sense is that there are very orthodox approaches to some of these philosophies and religions, and that as in Buddhism, there are ascetics. These are people who obviously, you know, abstain from from many things in life. And to us as modern householders, that's particularly uh, extreme. But when I look at the four virtues of Stoicism, as you laid out, courage, temperance, justice, and wisdom, and I think about, okay, if I am aware that these are the four tenets of Stoic, Stoic, Stoicism, um, how can I be more aware of that and thread that awareness of those four pillars into my life so that everything I experience has an awareness of how they fit into those four virtues. It is boiled down simply in a way that I could see that as a filter of like anytime you're in a tricky situation or you're trying to figure out what to do next, you could like look at those four pillars and be like, huh, okay, what's what's the version of this where I'm manifesting courage or justice into my life more? But yeah, let's 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 talk about how it has become more fashionable lately because it was I never heard of it until you know maybe five years ago. You could kind of credit uh, one guy, Ryan Holiday, with kind of single handedly bringing it back into. Vogue. Uh, he wrote a book called The Obstacle is the Way, and he's behind uh, a newsletter and a site called The Daily Stoic. You know, he's an interesting dude. I, I actually met him once. At, we both spoke at this tech conference once, so I met him briefly, but we didn't have any sort of in-depth conversation. Seemed like a nice enough guy, but he's got an interesting story, a trajectory of like kind of working as a marketing guy, wrote this whole book about like kind of marketing how to be like an evil marketer almost in a way and 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 trick the media into believing you and then he worked with some questionable pe people like Dove Charney at American Apparel and Tucker Max who both have been uh, accused of different things in different ways and you know he was helping them uh, during that time so it's interesting that his own past is a little bit you know I don't want to throw him under the bus because I don't know that much but you know you could at least ask some questions about that stuff and yet here he is sort of bringing this philosophy and also just such a brilliant like sort of tactical move to be like I'll just find this ancient philosophy from thousands of years ago repackage it in a newsletter and through this book into the tech world and on podcasts and kind of own it as if I I created this philosophy you know so I, I'm I'm intrigued by this dude and how he single-handedly sort of manufactured the resurgence 
of this. And then, you know, as far as the impact goes, then, yeah, it's taken on like Kevin Rose, uh, the founder of Dig, says he tries to incorporate it in his life and uh, walks in the rain without a jacket or wears his sandals in December in the snow so he can mimic his ancestors' environments, and their daily challenges. And Tim Ferriss says stoicism is the ideal operating system for thriving in high stress environments. And Elizabeth Holmes, the con woman founder of Theranos, you know, swore by meditations by Marcus Aurelius and Jack Dorsey is also into it. And so it's really taken hold of this sort of Silicon Valley elite in a way that's intriguing. And, you know, I know you, you swim in those circles every once in a while. I'm curious, have you encountered it at all? How do you how do you feel about the uh, sort of increasing popularity of it in that world? Well, certainly, uh, you know, when you say it, and I actually read a little bit about these are some of the followers, I thought, well, there's one reason to not follow modern day stoicism. Uh, sure, Elizabeth Holmes, um, let's follow her philosophy of life. Look, you know, when you talked about wanting to do this um, on the podcast, you were the third person in that week who actually brought up stoicism to me. I had encountered it as well a number of years ago, probably, I think even may have a copy of Meditations by Aurelius, but you know, not a subscriber necessarily of stoicism, although I am now a subscriber of the Daily Stoic, because when the third person tells you to pay attention to something, you should probably pay attention. My sense is that like all things, especially in our modern day internet driven world, that people like Ryan, who are really good marketers, didn't know much about him. Doesn't, it's not surprising that he's a great marketer and these are the kinds of things he's done in the past. Um, bring things like this out to the fore. The question is, how much do they pollute the underlying philosophy, the underlying tenets, the purity, if you will. We've talked about this with Buddhism and meditation, and I tend to be a little bit more on the orthodoxy side, you know, around these things where it's like, if you really want to get into something and it's not just this hyperbolic newsletter that you start quoting at your dinner party, um, when you get into it, I just feel like you can bypass all the bullshit that Silicon Valley aficionados might take uh, uh, their take on this. But I think at the core, it's a very, very valuable philosophy to bring back. I do think, though, that in the same way that you said, what a great marketing idea, guy brings, takes this ancient philosophy, brings it back to the modern day, and markets the shit out of it through the Daily Stoic. I think about it as the same way that people have been taking quinoa over the last 10 years and brought it back. And now, guess the, the new big thing is jackfruit. Um, jackfruit is a big thing. Apparently, it is a... Meat substitute, you can cook up jackfruit without getting into too much around the efficacy of jackfruit as a meat substitute. This is what we do. We take things to their extreme. We turn them into something that they're not. And my sense is that that's what Silicon Valley, having grabbed hold of stoicism, is actually doing. I do think it's interesting that when we're talking about a philosophy that helped slaves endure uh, their lives. And then we're talking about the proponents of it now are people who are millionaires or tens of millionaires or hundreds of millions. And their version of it is to take cold showers and walk, uh, in the snow with sandals and not wear a coat. Uh, it smells suspicious. You know, it's sort of like pretending to suffer is not actually suffering. Yeah. And it's just, if the Modern present day caretakers of an ancient philosophy are those people. Uh, mm, it could be in the wrong hands. And uh, by the way, history is a written form. 
passed on through time and passed on and rewritten, et cetera, et cetera. There are absolutely aspects of it that uh, retain uh, their integrity. But uh, I'm just concerned that things like Stoicism, where at its purity, if you study Stoicism and its philosophy, will eventually have nothing to do with the Jack Dorsey, Elizabeth Holmes, uh, Ryan Daily Stoic version of it. Although Ryan seems to be actually doing a pretty good job at laying it out as it is. So let's get into some of the criticisms that have come along with this resurgence, which centers around sort of what we've been talking about, that it's also a get out of jail free card for the wealthy on some level is one of the views that uh, it's a handy philosophy if you already believe that the rich are meant to be rich and the poor are meant to be poor. It's kind of a, a handy philosophy to have around to be like, look, what can we do? You know, that's, that's not what really matters. You should just focus on the things that you control. And I happen to have a lot of money and you happen to have none. But, you know, that's not really the issue. That's not what matters. That's not what's important. It doesn't seem like a coincidence that the overwhelming majority of people who seem to be at the forefront of this resurgence are wealthy white men who have already made it and then are like, you know, we all just need to focus on what we control and not ignore what we can't. And um, that, that, you know, uh, and there's even a, a professor of history, Ada Palmer is her name, that uh, thinks this stoicism reminds her of how it was popular amongst the elites of ancient Rome. And she's, she said that as Rome took over, it surged in popularity because it was the one system of ethics that worked well for the rich and powerful. And so I think that's a, it's an alarming overlap there that, if nothing else, at least deserves to be noted. Well, leave it to uh, us uh, white men and us white rich men, uh, if you're out there, who uh, steal from the poor and... Uh, Take, you know, take from the poor and, and, and use it for their own sort of riches and, and enhancements. The fact that we are talking about stoicism is in and of itself a bit of a privileged, elitist, white, male kind of thing. Like the fact that we can actually be aware that stoicism is one of these things. Thank you, Ryan, perhaps, in bringing it back. But that uh, we're actually having this discussion, you know, the idea of doing the Wim Hof, you know, 32 degree, 33 degree cold plunge and running in snow barefoot like Kevin Rose of Dig is beyond privilege. And uh, the people who are having a hard time paying their bills and keeping, uh, you know, uh, a house and a roof over their head are probably not thinking about adding more misery and suffering, even if it's chosen to, you know, to actually live their lives. Yeah, and uh, I'll give another quote. This one's from Sandy Grant, who's a philosopher at the University of Cambridge, and she argues that uh, Stoicism's hopelessly outmoded and wrote, Stoicism gets the question wrong. It's no longer a matter of what can I control, but rather of given that I, as all others, am implicated, what should I do? The control fantasy is ridiculous in an interdependent, globalized world. And she calls Ryan Holiday's work uh, that of bad pop psychology of a comically macho bent for sale to entitled and arrogant success nicks. How does she really Sandy feel Grant. about Ryan? How does she really uh, feel? Well, I, I, so I think what she, she's getting at something that to me is a more interesting question, which I think, you know, is uh, attached to Buddhism as well, if I can use attachment and Buddhism in the same sentence that <laughs> way, which is what do we have control over? Because this is something that I think is an interesting topic within Buddhism is also it's just not like you sit there and you roll over as the Chinese government invades your land and tortures people and you're just like, oh, what can I do? I won't be attached. That there is, you do have control and that there is a time to fight back and to fight injustice. Especially we talked about how justice is one of the core pillars here. When do you stand up for for justice and when do you, when do you not just accept 
what's happening around you and be like, it's beyond my control. I just need to accept my fate. And when do you say like, no, maybe if we all get together and activate as a group, we can create the change that we want to see in the world and, and fight back and not just accept reality, but change reality. And I think, you know, obviously, you know, when we look at the protests of the past year and, and different things that are going on, I think there's some interesting, uh, debate to be had over what do we have control over when do you accept things when do you push back what's the role of stoicism within that quite possibly and i think that the one thing that um is a value here at least in my view is the path of inquiry we in a modern society in a very very busy uh distracted attention economy world don't often have time to self-inquire. And I think Stoicism really sort of uh, the practitioners, the early practitioners seem to uh, force themselves in a you know benign way to seek inquiry in all aspects of personal, societal, political, social uh, endeavors. Yeah. And I think to go back to these tech barons, I guess I'll call them, and their embrace of Stoicism and this idea of what, what do you control or what do you don't control? Like, well, what don't they control right now? You know, like... Jack Dorsey, like you, you could argue about how much influence he has on the world right now. And if you're at a tech company that has, you know, millions of dollars and resources and all this impact and all this power to transform the way we live and work, then what's the role of stoicism in your life to just accept things the way they are and endure things that are hard versus to be like, no, it's incumbent upon me to make things better for other people. I am the one who actually can impact their lives in a significant way. And it's where do these stoic principles work in, in that way of not just this sort of insular, I need to deal with my own life this way. This is my own personal philosophy and this is how I get by, but how am I dealing with others? Which I think is what that uh, philosopher Sandy Grant is talking about. It's like stoicism was probably one thing when everyone was living their individual lives in this very sort of insulated kind of way. Whereas right now we're also interdependent and connected and our behavior impacts everyone else and vice versa in a way that probably wasn't true in 300 AD or whenever this you know, started to take off. So so is there some disconnect between these modern times uh, and a philosophy that's sort of preaching, you know, more of this thinking about life in a bubble kind of mentality? Yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure and I not really formed opinion on this, but I'm not entirely sure I agree with that and her view of it, because the truth is we've always been inter interdependent, uh, even if the populations or the communities had less people around, that, you know, the plebiscites and the elitists still lived in a, in a sycophantic or parasitic or, you know, control, controller relationship. Everyone has always been um, interdependent, the notion of we're now more of a global impact society and, you know, the internet sort of binds us together and all of our actions, you know, are equal and greater reactions on everyone else. I think it hasn't, has always been the case. I just think that we've become, perhaps, we have so much access to so much information and so much, we have so many platforms upon which we can opinionize, if that's a word, or speak our minds and we're also competitive, and therefore, um, often we create injury to other human beings in ways that we just didn't have the capacity or the 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 distribution methods in order to to do that. I think, though, if we can just focus more as humans on self improvement as a means for impacting positively 
the human race as a whole, as opposed to just me and my TikTok and my Instagram and, oh, by the way, my podcast or whatever it might be, that if we had that discipline of mind, that perhaps we'd be in a different situation as a species and that the framework of Stoicism and the four tenets, the four virtues, if they were actually more embedded in our experience, that perhaps we would actually be more positively interdependent rather than just thinking about it as has nothing to do with interdependence because we weren't as interdependent then and we are now. Yeah. And I think you're getting at something that's like, even if it's a, a global interdependent uh, mass action sort of situation like climate change, still the behavior that needs to change first is on a local level and a personal level. And like uh, to go back to Ryan Holiday, because he's, you know, heard some of these complaints that we mentioned about before. And he says that stoicism is not meant to encourage passivity. He talks about that control issue and says that we can focus on influencing things that we can affect. So he wrote that uh, you shouldn't spend time complaining. This is back when Trump was president about whether Trump deserves to be president and worrying about his leadership. Instead, you should focus on what's in your control, your own actions, working for the next election, making sure you're prepared in case of an emergency, comforting others. So I think that speaks to kind of what you were getting at too, of, you know, sort of uh, there's this thing out there that's bad and, you know, like you can get obsessed and fixated on it, which I think many of us have in recent years, or you can be like, okay, well, what's the thing that I can do next that right now will make a difference in my life and the life of people around me? And aren't all philosophies, modalities, religions, frameworks throughout history really intended to do those things to enable us to, you know, uh, live our fullest lives and bring goodness and 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 uh, and grace and compassion and all the things that bring us together and bind us together experientially. Um, uh, but then, you know, as the frameworks and the religions become more embedded and more orthodox, they're used to sort of split people apart and silo them and put them in this like my philosophy versus your philosophy, my religion versus your religion, which is antithetical to, I think, the origins of all of these things in the first place. Fair enough. I'm curious, is any of the tenets of Stoicism that uh, we've discussed or that you read that really stuck out or, you know, that you feel are, are things that you might uh, cling to post this podcast? Well, I'll tell you the one I struggle with most on an activist basis, because I'm not really a justice activist, but justice is one of them. Um, I just got done. I'm, as many people are, millions of them worldwide, obsessed with um with the musical Hamilton. And uh, I just rewatched it. And I think about the time that these men lived, our founding fathers, and the amount of sort of justice that they were, they, they were, they were going for in the world and trying to get under from under the thumb and the, the authoritarianism of, of the British Empire. And justice is a really, it's, it's a courageous thing if you're really activist uh, focused. And we've seen a lot of incredible activists now in many, many, many movements uh, in modern society. I have great reverence for people who live up to the activist uh, justice focused uh, life because these people who are at the top of that sort of um, that idea and that action are really courageous. They're willing to lay down their lives to actually create some form of justice, criminal, social, uh, financial uh, justice. No, I think that's great. And then, yeah, I think 
for me, one one of the notions that uh, stuck out as I was like doing research on it was this idea of uh, a dog that's allowed to chase cars will chase cars. A child who's never given any boundaries will become spoiled. A mind that isn't in control of itself will be jerked around by external events and unquestioned impulses. Um, and there was even mention of social media. And I do sense that a lot in our culture right now that... Uh, we're being our, our brains are being hijacked by social media in a way that like, oh, what am I supposed to think about today? Okay, that's what I'm obsessed with. And then the next day, we're fed something else through the machine. And then that's what we're obsessed with. And there's this lack of sort of uh, internal agency about like, well, what do I want to be obsessed with today? Not not what is being fed to me through through social media and the machine of like sort of the being able to make your own independent choice and control your own mind and, and wavelength that you're on and what you want to uh, consume and think about, which seems to be getting harder and harder. Yeah. So I would say, look, uh, stoicism, like any philosophy or any religion or astrology for that matter, or meditation, that these are philosophies and frameworks within which we get to understand ourselves and others, you know, our, our, our fellow humans, and um, that they're worthy, especially ones that have lasted as long as this has over, you know, uh, 2,100, 2,500 years. Uh, maybe we should pay attention. Maybe we should just take a look, you know, take from, from it that which you will that applies to your life or that you feel you resonate with. And, um, and don't get too crazy about it and too judgmental, certainly. Um, about it. And um, there might be something there for us. Uh, and stoicism seems like it's having its moment, uh, just like I suppose quinoa and jackfruit are having its moment. But uh, it seems like uh, there is some deliciousness in the uh, the stoic uh, approach to life. Yeah. And I think just the concept of ancient wisdom, you know, I think uh, right now we're so caught up in trends and fashion and like, you know, anything that's like you said, has stuck around for thousands of years that, and kept coming back uh, in an organic way. There's probably like real value and benefit that people are getting from it. And I thought maybe a good way to wrap up. Uh, Derek Sivers is a, a person who I like a lot, sort of a, was a tech entrepreneur and now is sort of a, a more new agey writer about uh, life and leadership and things like that. Uh, and he reviews or puts notes of all the books that he's read online. And he, one of them was Stoic Joy. And I thought his review of it was interesting, or the introduction to his notes was uh, that he it was almost too personal for him to give an objective review of the book. Uh, because uh, I'll quote him, I found when reading it that the quirky philosophy I've been living my life by since 17 years old matches up exactly with a 2,000-year-old philosophy called Stoicism. Mine was self-developed haphazardly, so it was fascinating to read the refined, developed original, and it really resonated. And so I thought that was interesting that you know someone could feel like, oh, I've just been living my life this way all along, so this is kind of crazy that, oh, this is some ancient philosophy that I'm completely aligned with and just didn't even know about it. Yes, and uh, it brings me to my final thought, which is the through line here throughout human history are the humans, right? The more things change, the more they stay the same. We are all just trying to do the best we can, figure out how to live this, this life in a way that not only uh, enables us to uh, experience joy, experience compassion, um, and to uh, sort of help our fellow humans. And there are many different paths and many masters, uh, and perhaps Stoicism is one of them. And if it's appealing to you, you know, check out Ryan's newsletter, dailystoic.com, and uh, see what comes of it. Yeah, and I'll leave us with a, a quote from Cicero. 
the Roman philosopher and statesman who said, uh, I've always been of the opinion that unpopularity earned by doing what is right is not unpopularity at all, but glory, which I liked because I'm like, oh, I'm not unpopular. I'm glorious, Rob. Makes me feel better about myself. Glory be, Matt. Glory be. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Hell and Wellness. I'm Rob Kramer. And I'm Matt Ruby. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can leave voice messages for us at anchor.fm slash Wellness. That's anchor.fm slash Wellness. You can also see all the shows there. And you can email us at helenwellness at gmail.com. And if you remember, please uh, rate us and review us on uh, Apple Podcasts. Say something nice. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced by Stereoactive Media.